strongly fixed in your, in your hand, and we thank you for those things, Lord. We want to bless you today, Jesus, and give you glory and praise. Amen. Amen. So why don't you guys get ready to worship with us and just stand up, and um, you're welcome to sit down, too. That's fine. Hallelujah, Lord. Whatever is comfortable. Let's sing Blessed Be Your Name. Good morning. <laughs> Hallelujah, Jesus. We're in the key of G. Jesus oh, oh. Blessed be your name in the land that is plentiful for your streams of abundance alone blessed be your name and blessed be your name when I'm found in the desert place I walk through the wilderness, blessed for your name. Every blessing you pour out, I'll turn back to praise. And when the darkness closes in, Lord, still I will say, oh, blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your name. 
worship you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Oh, we love you, Lord.
what you've done, Lord. We bless you. Woo. Thank you, Lord, that you restored our mind. Thank you, Lord, that you give us peace. A sound mind is from you. Hallelujah, Jesus. We bless you, Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. The battlefield of the mind is real. We got to know the word, say the word, speak the word, and believe it. Hallelujah, Lord. Let's sing forever. Oh, we love you, Jesus. Thanks to the Lord, our God and King, His love endures forever. For He is good, He is above all things. His love endures forever. We'll sing praise, sing praise, Woo. sing praise, sing praise with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm.
Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Woo. Hallelujah, Lord. If you just need strength today, lift up your hands and say, Lord, I need you today, Jesus. I need you, Lord, to renew me, renew my strength today. Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, we love you, Lord. We love you. There is no one like you, Jesus. No one like you, Lord.
really want to worship you, Jesus. You are my God. You are mine and I am yours. You are mine and I am yours, Lord. You are mine and I am yours, Lord. Oh, Jesus. How can I but do anything but worship you, Lord? You are mine and I am yours, Lord. I give myself away. Give myself away so you can use me. I give myself away. I give myself away so you can use me. I give myself away. Give myself away so you can use me. I give myself away. Oh, oh. I give myself away so you can use me. Take my life. Take my life as a living sacrifice oh my dreams all my plans lord i place them in your hands and i give myself away Jesus, I give myself away so you can use me. I give myself away. Oh. I give myself away so you can use me. Oh, I give myself away. 
Jesus, you are my King. Jesus, you are my King. Jesus, you are my King. Jesus, you. Jesus, you are my King. Oh, Jesus, you are my King. Jesus, you are my King. Just lay everything aside and say, you are my there's some things you might need to renounce and push away and set aside. Lord, I haven't, I shouldn't have let that take root in my house. Lord, let's get that out of my house. I renounce that. I reject that. That doesn't line up with you. That is not your word. That is not your plan. That is not your gift. Jesus, you are my king. Just tell him today. You Jesus, you are my king. I see that thing. You are my king. I lay it all down, Lord. You are my king. You Jesus, you are my king. 
open up your heart to me. Heart like yours. Jesus, you are like yours. My life is not my own. To you I belong. I give myself I give myself to you. My life is not my own. To you I belong. I give myself, I give myself to you. Sing it again. My life is not my own. To you I belong. I give myself, I give myself to you. My life is not my own. To you I belong. I give myself, I give myself to you. Oh, I give myself away. Give myself away so you can use me. I give myself away. Oh, Jesus, I give myself away so you can use me. I give myself away. give myself away so you can use me. Rejoice, take 
just tell them with your mouth, I worship you, Lord. I bless you, Jesus. I worship you, Lord. Let's come on up. Oh, we worship you, Jesus. We bless you, Lord. Lord, let nothing stand between us. asking the Lord this morning, what is the message that you want your people to have this morning? What is the encouragement that you want your people? What do they need, Lord? I don't know what the people need. You do. And that's the word he gave me, encouragement. You need encouragement this morning. If you need the Lord to do something real special for you, have you thought in your heart that because things aren't going just right, that that really is what's happening in your life. That's it. This is reality. This is my life. This is today. This is for real. I want you to know that there's more for you than that. That is, if we give in to those kinds of thoughts, we're giving in to the plan of the evil one for us. He's the one who comes to kill, to steal, to destroy. He comes in to steal your happiness, your joy, your good attitude. He comes in to steal your effectiveness in the kingdom. He comes in to steal your life. If you agree with him, you can say, yes, devil, I will partner with you. That's right. I feel cruddy today. I feel discouraged today. Everything's going wrong. And yep, that's right. I partner with you and all those negative things you're saying. We wouldn't, we wouldn't on purpose do that. But if we would on purpose partner with the Lord and the things that he says about our lives and about the future and about his part in everything that's happening with us. Remember in the Old Testament where David, who, everybody know who David was? He eventually became king. Before he became king, he led a bunch of mighty men around in the wilderness running from King Saul who wanted to kill him because he knew that David was anointed to be the next king of Israel in his place. And David and his mighty men went and, and um, fought against some of the Philistines, wh which were the Israelites' enemy. And when they came back, an enemy had come in and had taken their wives and children and all their things and and left, and they had nothing. David's mighty men wanted to kill him. They wanted to kill David. And what did David do? He sat down in the dirt and said, oh, woe is me. All my friends have turned against me. Everything has gone bad. Lord, where were you? How could this happen to me? I am your anointed, right? He said that, right? 
Is that what he said? Come on, saints, help me here. The word says David encouraged himself in the Lord. There was nobody else there to do it. But he encouraged himself in the Lord. The Lord was real to David. And David knew because he had spent so much time with God. David knew his God, and he knew that God would come to their rescue. And he told his men, let's go. We are going to go, and we are going to get our wives back and our children back and our stuff back. And that's exactly what they did. And they didn't kill him. You know, what, what feels like truth right at this moment doesn't necessarily mean it is. I, I, I kind of did the, the idea that the devil was over here, that I was partnering with him over here, so let's go over here and partner with God. Let's do the opposite. Let's partner with God. What are the good things he says? In Joel 3.10, it says, let the weak say, I am strong. Is that a lie? No. That is partnering with the truth that God has for you. Even when things feel crummy. I've been there. I don't feel really at the top of my game this morning. But my God is for real. And he gives us strength and energy and help. I want you to stand up right now. I've been at a place where I sat out in the pew and I, I looked at the person that was speaking and I said, yeah, you're just God's little favorite, aren't you? Because they talked about all the wonderful things the Lord was doing for them. And then they started to get real and told how the Lord was really helping them in a tough situation. And the truth is every last one of us walk the same earth. We all have different stories, but every last one of us are human beings. Whether we're saved or not saved, whether Jesus is our Savior or whether he isn't, we're all human. But the wonderful thing is, those of us that, that have, in, have asked Jesus into our heart have something very special. We have all the promises in the book the book being his word, the Bible. We have all the promises that we can partner with. Father, I bring every last person that's here and that's watching today over video, oh God. And Lord, we bring our lives and our, our needs and our difficulties to you, Lord. And we want to exchange them this morning. We want to exchange the lies that the devil has tried to tell us for truth in Jesus' name. Lord, you are in all and over all. Everything on he in heaven and on earth will bow to you, Lord. Lord, we just give it all to you and we say thank you, Lord, first of all. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for us. Thank you for making it possible for us to stand in victory and to stand and claim the, the wonderful things of God. Lord, I just declare encouragement for everyone in this room today, Lord. I declare that the good things of God to be made, to, for us to be made aware of those things in a very special way today, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you would, that you would make yourself so real to us that, that no matter what comes our way in this life, we trust you and we know how to encourage ourselves in you, Lord. 
I declare victory in every one of our situations, Lord. If we don't see that victory with our eyes, Lord, we see it with our spirit. And we know that it's the truth and that it's there and that it's coming. And, Lord, we trust you. Lord, Job said, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. And, Lord, we say that with you this morning, Lord. Though you slay us, yet will we trust you because you are ours and we are yours in Jesus' name. If you have a need this morning, whether it would be a physical need, whether it would be a spiritual need, whether it would be a, a need for um, some kind of a relationship to re be restored or perhaps you need to get out of a relationship that's wrong and you don't know how to do it. Any kind of a need, whether it's, it's for, um, for a physical um, blessing, a monetary blessing, um, for direction, for anything that you have, any need, I want you to raise your hand. And I want those, of those that are sitting around, keep them up, keep them up real big so people around you can see them. And those that are sitting around someone with their hands up, even if you have your own hand up, pray for each other. Touch somebody on their shoulder, and I want you to just keep your hand on their shoulder. We're going to pray for each other. The Bible says to do that. It's important. We need each other. I need some people to get around Lynn. Her granddaughter is in great need this morning of a physical touch. It's very serious. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we just bring every one of our needs to you in a very special way. And you tell us, Lord, to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. And we're doing that right now, Lord. And you said to pray for each other. And you said, Lord, that, that you would heal us and that you would provide for us and that you would give us all the things that we need. And in the name of Jesus, Lord, I just declare the power of God active in every one of these situations, Lord. I declare your healing. I declare your wisdom, Lord. I declare your direction. I declare, Lord, your provision in Jesus' name, Lord. I declare doors open that we never even saw before, oh God. I declare doors closed that we didn't even know needed to be closed, oh God. I declare relationships coming back into harmony in Jesus' name. Oh, Lord, I just declare salvation for our loved ones in Jesus' name, dear Lord. I declare, Lord, that this, this um, amazing revival that has started in our college campuses, oh God, would grow and expand and explode in Jesus' name, Lord. I declare, Lord, that you would touch our young people with the truth of your existence, Lord, and your favor for them and your great love for them. And your plan for their lives, oh God. I come against every lie that's being told to them in Jesus' name, Lord. And I declare that they will be set free and that a generation will be saved. And that the world will be saved in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, Lord. I thank you for your goodness. I just declare, Lord, that everything that we need this morning would be there for us. I pray that you would heal our hearts this morning, Lord. I pray, Lord, that encouragement would come, that the knowledge that you are healing would come in Jesus' name, that the knowledge that you are providing would come in Jesus' name, that the knowledge that wisdom from you is right there and will guide us and lead us, Lord, will come in Jesus' name, Lord. We just receive from you encouragement this morning and everything good from your hand 
I pray, Lord, that your promise to open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing on us that we can't contain if we pay our tithes from Malachi, that that would happen, Lord. There are tithe payers in this room today, Lord. And I pray that you would open those windows of heaven and bless as you promised in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Anoint our pastor as he speaks this morning, Lord. Open, open our ears and our minds and our hearts to the word of God and to the things that you want us to know. I just declare a blessing over each and every one of us in the holy name of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Stephanie, thank you so much. Thank you so much. How are you? Praise God. What a presence of the Lord in this place. Don't let it go to waste. Harvest it. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. All right. Time to wake up. Say hallelujah. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. We're about to go into a place where we declare, um, what was that number that we need? Yeah. All right. I have a number that we need to come up with by the end of the month, and I know what it is. Liz told me just now. And uh, so... I'm going to just trust the Lord that that's going to happen, and I'm not going to worry. I'll tell you what it is, but you'll have to listen. It's $4,100. And, uh, but I'll tell you what. I'm going to declare over that amount. And you declare, huh? It's for taxes. Yeah, property tax. Some people think that we don't have to, but I can show you the bill. Anyway, I'm not going to get all bent out of shape about it. I know it's not fair and all that kind of stuff, but the Lord isn't worried about that, right? Remember the disciples came to him and all that kind of stuff, and he said, yeah, I know, we, we, the, the king's kids shouldn't have to pay it, but go out and you'll get it in a fish, fish's mouth. And he, they did, and he did. So he'll provide it. Amen? So let's just trust him for that right now. But let's declare, because I know you guys have needs too. You have needs? Not just, not just finances, but you have needs, uh, well, for your roofs, and you have needs for your kids that need Jesus, and all kinds of other stuff, right? Your health, whatever. So let's just trust God to meet every single need. That's what his. That's that's his job, not your job, right? So let's make that declaration. You that are watching, you can participate too. Are you ready? As we receive today's offering, I am believing the Lord for jobs and better jobs, for raises and bonuses, for benefits and salaries and commissions, for states and in sorry, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, debts paid off expenses decrease 
and blessings increased. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all of my financial needs that I might have more than enough to give into the kingdom of God and promote the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Lord, we just receive your blessing now in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you come? Would you give? God bless you guys as you worship with us. I'm forgiven because you were forsaken. And I'm accepted. You were condemned. Now I'm alive and well. Your spirit is within me because you died and you rose again. Amazing love, how can it be that you, my King, would die for me? Oh, you died for me. Amazing love, I know it's true. And it's my joy to honor you in all I do. Jesus, thank you, Jesus. We're going to give this to the Lord now. And in obedience, we're going to trust him. We do our part. He does his part. Amen. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, in obedience to your word, we have done. And now we are anticipating to see what you're going to do. As you said, you would open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that we're not able to contain. Woo, how many are ready for that? So, Lord, we, we stand upon your promises right now, and we sanctify these things now into your service in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I'm expecting victory. Amen. Our children's church is... Getting ready to move into the next room. We bless, bless, bless our children. So, um, Tish and Ben, are these family of yours here with us today? Hi, Abby and Hannah. We're happy that you're with us. Hallelujah. Are you from out of state? Pennsylvania. Wow. Well, there's a lot, seems to be a lot of people from Pennsylvania. Uh, I'm glad. I bet you're glad to be where it's warm, though, aren't you? Yes, yes, yes. Wow, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Are you happy? All right. Good to see everybody here today. Appreciate you, Brandon. Appreciate that lawn mowing that you do. Yes, you do. Hallelujah. You know, we need to pray. Because without the Lord, that's okay. She's just, isn't it nice to see people coming into understanding who they are 
And uh, there was a time, oh, aren't you sweet? Thank you, Lizzie. I appreciate you. Do you know that um, we need the Lord? We need his anointing. Without him, it's it's just words, right? So we didn't ca- you didn't come here to hear me, but you came here to meet him. Amen? I hope you did. Because if you came here to see me, you're going to be disappointed because I... I'm just like you. I put my pants on one leg at a time. Amen? Holy Spirit, you were sent from the from Jesus, and we invite you into this place. Yeah, you're already here, but we give you liberty and freedom now to do what you came to do, and that is to endue us with power and to lead and guide us into truth and to do the special kind of work that you did since the beginning of time when you hovered over the chaos and waited for the word from the Father and life came into this devastated, formless, void earth. And Lord, as we come to you now in our confused, messed up, lives that Satan has disheveled all the niceness, we invite you to come and put everything back together and bring life and beauty out of ashes and joy out of sorrow. We just invite you to do what you are the best at, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. I need an anointing on me, and and these people need an anointing on them. And we are our ears and our mouth. We need to we need to have ears to hear what you, Holy Spirit, are saying to the church. That's that's the kind of ears we need. Holy Spirit, ears, whatever that means. Give us hearing today that's beyond normal hearing, beyond natural, carnal hearing. Give us spiritual discernment today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Since since the very beginning of time, when God created Adam and Eve, um, they lived in a world where sin hadn't yet manifested itself. Um, see, sin is when we fall short of the glory of God. Remember the scripture says it that way? All have sinned. And fallen short of the glory of God. So falling short of the glory is what sin is. Sin isn't doing bad stuff. I mean, bad stuff is not is not right. It's a result of sin. But sin is when we fall short of the glory of God. Uh, so, and you know what it means to fall short of. It means to not get to the place you're supposed to be. But Adam and Eve didn't know about sin for a while, and they lived in the garden, and they didn't know what they didn't have because they were more aware of their spiritual self than they were about their carnal self. Am I making sense to you today? I've told you this before, but Adam and Eve, when they were in the presence of God, didn't know what they didn't have. Now, they didn't have a few things. And one of the things that they didn't have, they, re- they, they realized as soon as they sinned. And what was that first thing that they realized about themselves? They weren't clothed. But before that, they didn't even know that they weren't. Because they were so, 
they were more aware of the supernatural than they were about the natural. But what happens when we fall short of the glory of God, we begin to see ourselves more than we can see other things. And this is a problem because so many of us are more aware of our problems. We're aware of how frail we're getting. We're aware of how, how much we need finances. We are aware of our aches and pains. We're just aware of a lot of stuff, right? You, you and I both understand what that means. We become more aware of the physical part of us than we do about anything else. And this is a result of falling short of the glory of God. If there was a way we could get back to a place where we weren't even aware of what we didn't have, then we, would just we wouldn't even have to trust God to take care of us. He would just take care of us. I'm repeating myself because this is what happens to old people. They get to be repetitious. But it says that Adam and Eve walked with God in the cool of the day. And that word cool of the day is the word ruach. And the word ruach is the same word that we talk about when we talk about the Holy Spirit. They walked in the Spirit in the Garden of Eden. Do you understand this? They walked in the Spirit. They were Pentecostals before there was Pentecostals. They were so aware of the Spirit, they weren't aware of their flesh. Hallelujah, would that be a great place to live or not? If you weren't aware of any of your troubles, wouldn't that be a wonderful place to live? Hallelujah. Do you know what people try to do? They try to do things to forget about their troubles. Now, Liz and I went out to Longhorn the other night, which I, I like steakhouses. Let me just be honest with you. So we're sitting there in the lobby, and you know, it's funny because everywhere I go in town, when we go out to eat, there's just old people everywhere. Have you noticed that? I've never seen so many old people in my life. <laughs> I we, we do like to go out a lot. So I was, we went, this is before I'll tell you the Longhorn one. We were sitting in Five Guys. You know, have you been to Five Guys? And all of a sudden, while we're in Five Guys, about six or seven guys came in. And they, they looked like they might have just come from a golf game or something like that. And I looked over at Liz and I said, man, look at all those old guys that just came in. And she says, she says to me, well, they look just like you. So my problem is I live in denial, right? But anyway, one thing I noticed about when we were in Longhorn is there were so many people waiting. We had to wait. You know how it is. You get They send you the text on your phone. So we're sitting there waiting and counting down and so many people were walking around with with booze you know before their meal they were going to the bar and getting drinks because it was a long wait now the bar the the restaurants understand this they make more money on the booze than they probably do on the steaks you know but I thought to myself a lot of these people really don't need to be doing this because if they go to their doctor for the physical the first thing they ask you on those forms is do you drink because it's not good for you right but why do people do it anyway? Because they're trying to forget about their problems. They just want to deaden it for a while, right? 
This is why people do things. It's not people don't take drugs and drink alcohol and do that stuff because they're be they're being bad. They're doing it because they're trying to forget. Right? This is why people do the things they do. They're trying to deaden themselves to the reality. But the problem with that is the next morning, not only did they still have their problems, but they got the results of trying to deaden it the night before. Right? So it's kind of like double. See, a bottle does amazing things, doesn't it? <laughs> She's trying to deaden her troubles, you see. But that's a whole different that's a whole different thing. She's, she needs that. But the reason I'm telling you this is because I, I was thinking about this when Liz is praying. We're so aware of our problems, and, and we're always going to God and asking him to help us through our struggles because we're more aware of our troubles than we are of the Spirit. Because you know what? One day... All of your troubles are going to end when you end. They're going to be on somebody else's troubles, right? And you're going to go to a place where you don't have any more carnal, physical, fleshly problems anymore. And you're going to wish that you'd spent more time preparing for that place, than you did worrying about all the stuff that's going to pass away. You know what I'm saying here? So why not begin to trust the Lord a little more to take care of the temporary stuff while you focus on the spiritual stuff? Let's try to get back to the place where God intended us to be in the first place, in the garden where we're walking in the spirit and we're not even aware of what we lack. Amen? Now, I want to show you a scripture here. Did I bring my Bible? Oh, there it is. See, be prepared. There's a scripture in, um, I think it's in Colossians. Let me see. Now, here's what we're going to do. I've got it written down here. Don't worry, it's not very long, and I, I it's, it's just just notes. Uh, go to the book of let's see. Well, let's see where was that? I guess I didn't write it down. Maybe it's in Colossians. There's a there's a verse that says that he is giving us he's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Now, I for some reason or another, it's in my notes, but I'm not seeing it. But it says this that God has already given us all things. It, it may be in Second Peter, all things that pertain to life and godliness. Let's see if it's in Second Peter. Yes, here it is. It's in Second Peter chapter one. Verse number three. Thank you, Sarah. Grace and, well, this is verse number two. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you. Do you like multiplication? 
I like things being multiplied, not just added to me. I like multiplication. I would just enjoy God multiplying his grace and his peace to me. Would you? But now watch. According as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Now look at what this says. He has already given us everything concerning life. Okay, so what is it that you need in life? Because when we talk about your life, that's a pretty broad topic, isn't it? Your life has to do with your your family, it has to do with your finances, it has to do with your living uh, facilities. It has everything that has to do with life, your health and everything. Do you understand that God's already given you everything that has to do with life? And godliness, because a lot of us don't really know, are we doing, am I doing everything that I'm supposed to do? If you could come to a place, because, see, this is where God is trying to get you back to, because Adam and Eve had everything that they had that concerned life and godliness, didn't they? So what is he saying here? He's saying, I would that you understand that you've already been given everything that has to do with life and godliness. Now, when Adam and Eve sinned, did it mean that God took away from them everything that he'd gave them, given them in the first place? No, he didn't. It's just that they were not aware of it as much anymore. They were more aware of what they didn't have than they were about what they did have. Am I making any sense today? I hope I am because I don't want to waste your time and bore you. But God never has taken away from you what he gave you in the first place. All that the devil has done is distracted you from that and show you what you don't have. So you're miserable because you're more focused on what you don't have than what you do have. Because God has already given you everything you need pertaining to life and godliness. Why then don't I see more of the manifestation of what he's given me? Because I'm just not operating in awareness of it. I'm more concerned about what I don't have than what I do have. So if I can learn how to come back into focusing on what God's given me, then all these other things will be added unto me. Oh, wait a minute. That sounds kind of familiar. I think there's a verse about that in the Bible, doesn't it? Oh, it says, uh, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Oh, so see, the thing is, what we're doing is our, our focus and what we're looking for is in the wrong places. We need, to be, we need to be focused on a different focus than what we're focused on. We need to focus on what we have instead of what we don't have. Now, <coughs> the, pro the problems go like this. There are a lot of people in the scripture, and I could you, you can come up with this, and so can I. There are dozens and dozens and dozens of people in the scriptures who started out really well, but they didn't end very well. Ever noticed people like that? They start out just fiery and hot, and, 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 uh, but then they don't end well. And you know, 
there's there's a few folks that come to mind that I want to talk about briefly today. You we can come up with a lot more, but the first one that comes to mind was a guy named Samson. You remember Samson? Now Samson had great great he had everything going for him. But Samson's problem was that he was more aware well he had a problem with lust and and chasing after women and stuff like that and so it distracted him from what he really was supposed to be focused on his his gift actually was uh, his downfall but so he got to the end of his life and he he made it into heaven but he did it at the expense of his own life now now I don't want you to get down on Samson too bad. Go to go to um, Hebrews chapter 11 and look at verse number. What did I put it down here? Hebrews 11:32. Now, in Hebrews 11, we call this chapter the Hall of Fame of Faith. Have you ever heard it called that before? It's all about different people that had faith. But look what it says here in verse number 32. I say, what shall I say more? Because you see, he's just gone through this whole chapter talking about all kinds of people who had who lived by faith. But lo and behold, in this verse, he talks about Samson being a man of faith. How in the world was Samson a man of faith? Doesn't seem a little peculiar that Samson would be called a man of faith? Well, the reason why Samson was called a man of faith was this. That when Delilah, one of his girlfriends, tried to figure out his source of strength, she, she, kept, she kept nagging at him and nagging at him and nagging at him until he finally gave up his secret. Remember that? And then when he finally gave up his secret that, it was that his strength was because he had, he, his mother had made a vow that, that he would maintain living under the power of the anointing of the Holy Spirit until his hair was cut. So Samson never cut his hair. So he finally gave up his secret, and Delilah, the knucklehead, she, this was what she was up to the whole time. She was getting paid. And anyway, he got his hair cut. But you know what it says? It's a fascinating thing. Go, go to the book of Judges, because I want you to read this for yourself. Go to the book of Judges. Chapter number uh, 15 and verse number 20. Now, this is a very, very important verse because there's a secret to success buried in this verse. So it says, she said, the Philistines are be upon you, Samson. And he awoke out of his sleep and said, this is. Remember, Hebrews talks about Samson being a man of faith. He said, I will go out as at other times. So Samson was used to doing things a certain way. He woke up out of his sleep and he said to himself, not a problem. The Philistines are here. I've met them before. He'd met them several times before. Remember that one time he met these this gang of Philistines, over a thousand well-armed soldiers. Now, now get this. 
in his day, military people of the olden days didn't mean that they were wimpy. It's just they didn't have the technology that we have today. But they were very good at what they did. They were killing machines. They were trained killers. Understand this? So the Philistine army of over a thousand men came after one man, and they had their they had their spears and their swords and their bows and their arrows and their shields. They had all the technology of the day, and they knew how to use them. They they had killed before, and they were they they knew what it was like to kill a human body. They were used to it, and they were comfortable with continuing to do it again. You see, so. These weren't just wimpy guys. These were trained killers that came after Samson. You see this? And Samson found himself with absolutely nothing to fight back with. All he found, he just so happened to find a skeleton, a partial skeleton laying on the ground, and all that was left of that skeleton was the jawbone of a donkey. So he grabs all... He grabbed anything he could find at the moment. See, grabs this jawbone of a donkey, and with that donkey's jawbone, he killed over a thousand armed warriors. See this? And so he, he wasn't gripped by fear. He just he did something. Now, he reveals the secret of his strength in this verse because when Delilah cut his hair, he said, all I'm going to have to do is to shake myself as I have done before. I will I'll shake myself and when I do that, I will I'll just kind of enter into this zone of the Holy Spirit and God will take over from that point and I won't have to worry about it. I will just do my best and he will kill all of these Philistines and that's what happened. Samson began to like you wouldn't believe with that jawbone and man every swipe of the jawbone was a precise swipe because the Holy Spirit was guiding that the, there, there must have been like a an angel of the Lord that just kind of put Samson on like a glove you know that he just put Samson on like a glove and Samson just yielded to the Holy Spirit and the Holy Sp this this spirit just came over him, and man, it, it was like it was like watching the what is the what is that movie? Uh, no, no, where the guy goes back in slow motion and the bullets go shooting. Th the yeah, the, what was it? The Matrix. So Samson is just slow motion, and he just wiping out a thousand Philistines. This must have been an amazing thing. I don't even think you could make an, a movie this good. So Samson said to him, see, he had the recollection that he said, he said, all I've got to do is shake myself like before and the watch, you got to read between the lines. But he didn't know that the Lord had departed from him. So if he didn't know that the Lord had departed from him, did he know that the Lord was with him? If you, if you can't tell when it's gone, can you tell when it's there? You see, in other words, Samson didn't operate by how he felt. He had no feeling about this. He did it according to Hebrews. He was a man of faith. He just believed 
that God was with him because God promised to be with him, and he just began to operate in faith, and God took over. So what happens here is he didn't know that God had departed because he didn't know when the Holy Spirit was with him. See, Samson was doing some pretty raunchy stuff. You understand that? He spent, he spent a whole night with a prostitute. And then when he was finished, he got up and he discovered that the Philistines had locked him into the city. They'd shut the gates. So after he'd been in this house of prostitution all night, still he had the enough anointing on him that he ripped the gates off the city and carried them up a hill and threw them off of a cliff. Now, Samson did this even while he still had the stench of sin on him because the Lord was upon him. You see, now, this is a little bit of a hard thing to say, that when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, he, he never leaves you or forsakes you, but I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, don't take the Holy Spirit where he doesn't want to go. He'll go with you. But don't take him places that you're not supposed to take him. We're going to talk about this a little bit more. But here's the thing. When you live by faith and trust in God, you may not always feel like it, but you can trust that he's with you. And when he gives you a promise and you become more aware of him than you are of your circumstances, this is how you can get to that place where you believe when he says, I have given you all things that pertain to life and godliness. You don't go by feelings. You go by his promise. You see this? Now, when you go through, and I'm, I'm kind of gone off the rails a little bit here because I'm, I'm, I'm still thinking about what Liz was praying about this morning because she made a statement that was really powerful. She said, like David, we need to go, instead of, instead of whining and crying about the fact that everybody is against us and I think I'll go eat worms because nobody loves me and everybody hates me, instead, he went and took back what was stolen from him. And this is the determination that you and I need to have. Let's start doing what God has given us the strength and the liberty and the permission to do. Let's go and get it back. And that's what Samson did. He said, I'll just shake myself like I've done before. But this time he didn't realize that the Lord wasn't with him. He didn't realize it, you see. He finally stepped over the line and he broke his oath. And then he realized that the Lord was, wasn't with him. However, do you know that at the end of Samson's life, his hair began to grow back, and he, you know how the story ended. He had to give up his life. He finally, you know what? When his eyes were removed from him, because that's what the Philistines did, he took his eyes. They took his eyes. Well, now he wasn't able to look at any more pretty girls. You see? That was removed from him. Now he was focused on looking at that Lord who had departed from him because he didn't know. He didn't, he wist not. He didn't know. That's what wist not. He wist not that the Lord had departed. Now, he had to go back to that original place 
of believing even though he couldn't see. And finally, he told this little boy, take my hands and put them on the pillars that hold this building up. And he said to himself, and he prayed out to, the go to God, and he said, God, I don't feel it. I am I'm tired. They've been working me like, uh, uh, you know, they had him treading out the corn in the wine pre or in the treading out corn like you would have a mule or a or a, an animal. And this is how he spent his days, blind, strapped to this machine, grinding out corn, and his body was tired. He was still suffering from from his eyes being removed, and it took some time. I mean, how long does it take for your hair to grow back out again? I don't know. Some people can grow. I've been looking at some of the guys in church that have these really nice beards, and I'm thinking, you know, it would take me 50 years to get something to look like that. I, I had a one of my roommates in college, I had a bunch of roommates, had this Italian roommate, and this guy had to shave twice a day. He was so miserable because his hair would just, you could almost sit there and watch it grow. So I don't know if Samson was like that or not, but his... But however long it took him to take, his hair grew out. And you know what? As he felt that hair on his shoulders and stuff, he thought he might have thought to himself, well, what have I got to lose? I'm going to trust God like I trusted him before. I didn't feel him. I didn't, I didn't know when he left me, but I didn't know when he was there. I just trusted that his promise was going to be true. So he said, he cried out to the Lord, and he said, avenge me. Of my eyes this one last time. And he took hold of the, of the pillars of that building. And he probably shook himself like he did. And he just pushed as hard as he could do. And the angel of the Lord put him on like a glove again. And did what was impossible in the flesh. And he returned him to a place of victory and triumph. Well, he didn't end well. But thank God that he finally got back to the place that he was supposed to be. Now, there's, an, there's, a, there's another guy I want to look at here. And this is a guy who Liz talked to today, about today. His name is David. And there's a lot you can say about David. But go to chapter number, go to uh, 2 Samuel chapter 11, because here's where things began to come apart for old Dave. Because... It says in chapter 11, it came to pass when kings go forth to battle. You see, <coughs> there are times when there you're, you're appointed to do a certain thing. And when you're in the wrong place at the wrong time, that's when you get into trouble. It was a time when Kings were supposed to go to battle, and David didn't go. Instead, he stayed at home, and when he stayed at home, wait a minute, that's not the right verse. Go down to, um, yeah, it, it is in that, when, when kings go, yeah, when kings go forth to battle, that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel, and they destroyed the children of Ammon and besieged Rahab. But David tarried in Jerusalem. And because he, because he wasn't where he was supposed to be, it says in verse number 2, it came to pass in the evening that he saw a woman washing herself. 
And you know the story. He got himself into temptation. He got himself into adultery with Bathsheba because he wasn't where he was supposed to be. And then to cover that problem up, he caused another problem. And then to cover that problem up, he, cover, he caused another problem. And you see, when you try to live your life in response to what you did wrong, you're just going to make it worse. You understand that? Because David's eyes were more on himself than where they should have been. He was supposed to be somewhere else, and he was in the wrong place. His, and so his eyes became more aware of what he shouldn't have been looking at than what he should have been looking at. And this is the same problem you and I have now. I know I'm not saying that you're David in the Bathsheba, but you can get yourself in just bat, as bad a problems when you're looking too much at your problems instead of what you should be looking at. You ought to be on the front lines fighting. What did, what, now, here's a guy who did end well. There was a guy named Paul, the apostle. And you know what he said? I have fought a good fight. In other words, he was where he was supposed to be in the time of the battle. I fought a good fight, and I finished my course, and I've kept the faith. David was not in the fight. And this is the problem. When you and I get out of the fight, and we, we get out of the battle, and we start looking at our problems, we're going to get ourselves into worse trouble. You need to stay in the fight. Hallelujah. It's not, a, it's not a battle that you're not going to win. Because God said, the battle is mine, you see, saith the Lord. So you need to stay in the fight and keep the fight up. Finish what God gave you to do and keep the faith. But David didn't. And so he got himself into trouble. And now David and Bathsheba got themselves, as you know, into a lot of trouble. But as, as and they, had a, they had a son as a result, and that son died. But then they had another son, and you know what his name was? That was Solomon. Now, I think, and this is my speculation, but based on some contextual things, as you read through the book of Proverbs, many of which were written by Solomon, you also see some chapters in there were that were written by Solomon's mother, who was Bathsheba. <clears throat> because, you know, David paid dearly for what he did wrong. The prophet, Nathan, came to him and told him all about that. You remember that story? And so David had to finally repent. And you know what he did when he repented? He said to God, I have sinned against you. That's, what good, that's where David's sin was. It was against God. Yes, what he did with Bathsheba wasn't right, but his sin was really against God. Now, so David got to a place where when you read the book of Proverbs, you're going to read some Proverbs that were really written by Bathsheba because David and Bathsheba got to a place where they said, you know what, we did something that was wrong, but we need to make this right. And they brought up Solomon in such a way that Bathsheba would write verses to Solomon to teach him how to be a good king. And Solomon was raised in such a way that when he was David and Bathsheba prepared Solomon to make the right decision. Let me put it that way. He was raised to make the right decision. So 
God gave him an opportunity to make a decision because he was prepared to make the decision. Are you understanding me? Because God showed up one day and said to Solomon, ask me whatever you want and I'll give it to you. Now, God's not going to give that option to a person who's not ready to make the right decision. If you want God to give you an option that is an amazing option, then you need to get prepared for that kind of a uh, proposition to be given to you. So because Solomon has, was raised to seek after wisdom and to seek after God, when God finally gave him the chance to make the decision, he chose wisdom over riches. And God said, because you made the right decision, not only am I going to give you wisdom, but I'm going to give you the riches on top of it. See, because he was seeking first and all the other things were added. But the problem with Solomon was he had a little bit of that spirit of Samson in him. And he, he knew better. He knew better. But in spite of what he knew, I want you to look at how the Bible phrases this because I can't phrase it any better. So go to the book of, uh, uh, let's see, First Kings chapter 11. <coughs> First Kings chapter 11. I got to read this because I can't do any better than the book. King Solomon loved many strange women. This is the problem. He loved many strange women together with the daughter of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites and the Amorites and the Edomites and the Zidonites and the Hittites. Now, we could take all morning and talk about these different types of peoples, but what these other people were were heathen nations that surrounded Israel that had some terrible heathen practices. And Solomon married women from these cultures, and these women brought those cultures into his culture. And because Solomon didn't have the strength, you see, he fell into the same problem that his mama and his daddy did, only, you know, somebody told me one time, whatever you do in moderation, your children will do in excess. Have you ever heard that one before? What you do in moderation, <coughs> I think my dad told me that. <coughs> what you do in moderation, <coughs> your children will do in excess. And what David and, Sol and Bathsheba did, in mo it wasn't moderation, mind you, but compared to Solomon's, it was small potatoes because Solomon did the same thing with thousands. So watch this. Of the nations concerning which the Lord said unto the children of Israel, you shall not go into them, neither shall they come in unto you, for surely they will turn your heart after their gods. Solomon clave unto these in love. You see, God knows that what you start to fall in love with will turn your heart away from God and turn it toward them. Now, if you allow yourself to be so concerned about your problems, these are strange lovers that will turn your heart away from God and you'll not have faith and trust in him anymore. You'll be more aware of pleasing them. 
do you do you know that there are literally people who are happier when they're not happy? Have you ever met people like that? If they don't have something to complain about, they're not happy. And this is what the devil will do to you. He'll get you to be he'll get you to get to a place where you'll fall in love with everything that's going wrong and you'll never have any concept of what's going right. And we live in a world like that. What do you what do you think the news is all about? Oh my goodness, if if that's all you watch is the news, you're going to be so one of the most depressed people in the world because all there is in the news is depression and some people just feed on that because they're not happy unless they're unhappy. And so what's happening is Solomon's heart is beginning to be turned away from God and they're not try he's not trusting in God anymore. He's he's more trying to please and pamper and and soothe his troubles. And watch this. Solomon clave unto those strange women in love. And he had 700 wives, princesses, and 300 concubines. And his wives turned his heart. They turned his heart. A heart that was originally turned to God was turned away from God. Now watch this. Solomon went unto Ashtaroth the goddess of the Zionites, and after Milcom, the abomination of the Ammonites. Uh, do you understand? Uh, you don't understand what, what we're talking about here. He got so deep in immorality and sin, worshiping these gods, that he literally stooped to the place where he was offering along with them babies as living human sacrifices to their gods. And worse, they, they had... They had temples of prostitution where people would go and worship at these temples of prostitution and have to commit fornication with these temple prostitutes in order to worship these gods. This, this is nasty, nasty stuff. It's sick stuff. And this is the kind of stuff that Solomon allowed to come into the nation of Israel. And watch this. Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord and went not fully after the Lord as did his father. Then did Solomon build high a high place in Shemoth, an abomination of Moab in the hill that is before Jerusalem for Moloch. That's where the abomination of the children of Ammon. That's where they did human sacrifices to Moloch. Nasty stuff. And likewise did he for all his strange wives which, which burnt incense and sacrificed to their gods. And the Lord was angry with Solomon because his heart turned away from the Lord. And God, now watch this. God is not, God is merciful and gracious. Watch what God does in spite of Solomon's nonsense. God appeared unto him twice. Have you ever had God appear to you? Well, God appeared to Solomon twice. And watch what Solomon did. And he commanded, God commanded Solomon concerning this, that he should not go after other gods. But he kept not that which the Lord commanded. He deliberately disobeyed God and wouldn't listen to him. 
How many times have you and I heard about the promises of God in the Scripture, but we just are so enamored with our problems that we, our hearts are turned toward unbelief more than they're turned toward, toward belief, and we can't even hear the voice of God. God said, I've given you all things that pertain to life and godliness, and all you can think of is all the problems that you have and how everything's fallen apart. <laughs> Brothers and sisters, we need to get back to the garden. We need to get walking in the spirit. You see, you the carnal man can't understand the things of the spirit because the things of the spirit are spiritually discerned. And the carnal man can't. He can't know them. And if you're walking according to the flesh and not according to the spirit, you're going to live according to the flesh. You're going to be more aware of what you don't have than what you do have. You're going to fall short of the glory of God. Wherefore God said unto Solomon, Because or for as much as this is done of thee, and thou hast not kept my covenant and my statutes, which I have commanded, I will surely rend or tear the kingdom away from you and will give it to your servant. It's a sad story of Solomon not ending well. He didn't end well. Now, because of what Solomon did, Israel became infested, and so did following kings of Israel, the, the land of Israel became infested with serving all these strange and kooky gods to the degree that one day one of the, one of the heathen kings of Israel passed away and his son that was alive, an eight-year-old boy, who had, by the way, escaped being sacrificed to Moloch by the skin of his teeth, this eight-year-old boy became the king of Israel, and his name was Josiah. And Josiah, <coughs> just because he had a heart that loved the Lord, he decided to go ahead and tear down all the stuff that, that had been... We'll go with the, to the book of Second Chronicles with me. And Josiah did this. When he was eight years old, verse chapter number 34 of Second Chronicles, <coughs> when he was eight years old, he, he began to reign, and he reigned in Jerusalem for 30 years. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. And he walked in the ways of David, his father. Now, David wasn't his father. It was like his great, 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 great grandfather, but it was his father. You understand that? And he declined... Neither to his he declined neither to his right hand nor to his left, for in his eighth year in the eighth year of his reign. Now, when did he start to reign? When he was eight years old. So, how old would he be in the eighth year of his reign? Okay, so when he's sixteen years old, while he was yet young, he began to seek after the God of David, his father, and in the twelfth year he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem from the high places and from the groves and from the carved images and the molten and the carved images and the molten images. So what was he doing? He was having to, he started to clean up the mess that started way back with Solomon. This infestation of rot that had been allowed into the land of Israel, Josiah at 
a young age, began to clean house. And he broke down the altars of Balaam in the presence and the images that were on the high were on high above them. He cut them down and the groves and the carved images and the molten images and he break them in pieces and made dust out of them. Wow. And he strewed them upon the graves of them that sacrificed unto them. He was really ticked off <laughs> against the devil. You see, this is how you have to treat the devil. You don't pussyfoot around with the devil. Man, you, you don't just defeat him. You grind him to powder and you scatter his grip, the, the refuge on the graves of those who worshipped him. Josiah was, he was serious about this. And he burnt the bones of the priests upon their own altars. These are the heathen priests. He burned them on the altars that they would sacrifice to the, isn't that something? And he cleansed Judah and Jerusalem, and he did, and so did he in the cities of Manasseh and Ephraim and Sion and so forth and so forth. Jump down to verse number 8. And he repaired the house of his God. He, he began to repair the destroyed, neglected house of God, whereas all these other temples were flourishing and in great operation. And God's house had become neglected. So he destroyed all the heathen places and he began to restore the house of God. And watch what happened. While they were cleaning it up in verse number 14, the priest found the book of the law given by Moses. It, they found this antique book in the rubble of the temple and it was one of Moses' original writings of the law. And they carried the book, verse number 16, they carried the book to the king. And, verse number 19, it came to pass, when the king had heard the words of the law, he tore his clothes. Because, you see, Josiah was doing this even without the knowledge of the word of God. And when he understood what God's word said, he knew that God was about to pour judgment out upon the place. And so, in verse number 30, the king went up into the house of the Lord, and in verse number 30, a little later, it says, he read in their ears the words of the book of the covenant that was found in the house of God. And the king stood in his place and made a covenant before the Lord and walked after the Lord to keep his commandment and his testimonies and his statutes with all of his heart and with all of his soul to perform the words of the covenant which were written in the book. This is what we've got to do. We've got to get back to what God's original plan is for us and destroy all that stuff. You know all that stuff that's bothering you? Destroy it. It's, it's obstacles that the devil has, a, has a, a, for one reason or another, have allowed themselves to be built up in your life, and now you're more aware of them than you are of the promises of God. But somewhere buried down inside of you are the promises of God, and you need to restore those things and destroy all the other junk. He has given you all things that pertain to life and godliness. Now use them in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. See, this is where we got to get back to. But Josiah, he was, he was doing well. He was doing really good in cleansing things. But he was so focused on this that he didn't understand that anybody else could hear the voice of God but himself. And one day... The king of Egypt was on his way to battle 
one of Egypt's enemies. And he, in order to get to the enemy, he had to pass through the land of Israel. And Josiah didn't want anybody passing through the land. And so he encountered the king of Egypt, and he said, Get out of here. I'm trying to keep this place clean from all kinds of rabble like you. And the king of Egypt, he didn't realize this. But you know what? God can speak to all kinds of people. You know that God can speak to all kinds of people? Even people that you wouldn't speak to. God can, God can speak to and through even a donkey if he wants to. Because you understand, God can do anything he wants to do. And we don't realize that sometimes. We don't understand God. We say, well, God, well, why would you do? Because I can, he says. Because I can do anything I want to. Because i got a different perspective than you. So the king of Egypt said to Josiah, why are you trying to restrict me? I've heard from the Lord. Now, isn't that an amazing thing? You don't believe me, do you? All right. Go here to verse number 20 of chapter 35. After all this, when Josiah was pre had prepared the temple, Necho, king of Egypt, came up to fight against Karshemish by the Euphrates. So you see, he had, to, he had to go through Israel to get to the Euphrates, from Egypt on up to the north, you see. And Josiah went out against him. He went out against the Egyptian king, but the Egyptian king sent ambassadors to him saying, what do, what do I, what's, what's up with that? I I don't have a beef with you. What have I to do with thee, though, thou king of Judea, of Judah? I'm not coming against you this day, but against the house wherein I have to make war. For God commanded me to make haste. Do you see this? God commanded the king of Egypt to do something. God, God speaks to whoever he wants, whenever he wants, and he doesn't have to ask your permission. And Josiah didn't believe that that could happen. And, and you can understand a little bit about why that's true. But he didn't believe it. And so nevertheless, Josiah would not turn his face from him, but he disguised himself that he might fight with him. And he hardened, hearkened not to the words of Nico from the mouth of God. You see this? He didn't listen to what he perceived to be a person who couldn't hear from God because he felt like he was the only person that could hear from God. You see, this is the thing that's so grieving to me. People that start out so well don't end well. Why is that? My prayer, my prayer for myself and for you, you're doing so good. End well. Come to the end and say, I have fought a good fight. I've finished my course. I've kept the faith. Don't, don't come to the end and mess up. And you see, the sad thing is that he didn't listen to the words of Nico from the, from the mouth of God, and he, and he came to fight in the valley of Megiddo. And the archers shot at King Josiah, and the king said to his servants, have me away, for I am sore wounded. And Josiah died as a result of that. Now, I believe Josiah made it. But why did he have to end it that way? He had such potential. 
You see, not everybody that doesn't end well goes to hell, but they could have done so much more. You see that? It's so important to end well. It's so important to finish this race with victory and glory. But you're not going to make it if your mind and your heart is more aware of what you don't have than what you do have. You see, this is the key. It's you need to be aware of what God has given you and not what you don't have. It's you got to get back to the garden again, you see. He has given you all things that pertain to life and godliness. He has we pray and ask God to do things that he's given, given us the power and authority to do. He said, in my name you shall this and this and this and this. See? Jesus said, henceforth you shall ask me nothing. You shall ask the Father in my name and he'll give it to you. He's given you capacity to do stuff. And we pray and ask God to do things that... He can't answer those prayers because he's already done it or he's given you the authority to do it. Hallelujah. So start to operate in victory <coughs> in Jesus' name instead of what you don't have. <coughs> Be more aware of what you do have. So go to, go to this. Oh, there's so much more I have to tell you. So quickly go to the book of Colossians. I'm not going to be able to do this, but if, chapter number three, if you be risen with Christ, how, how, how many know that you are risen? In, in, in chapter two of Colossians, I read this to you last week, I think, you, are, you have been crucified with Christ. This is your present condition. You are crucified, and now you are risen with him. And if you are risen, since you are risen, I should say, since you are risen with Christ, begin to seek those things that are above. Now, you see, this is our problem. We're not looking up. We're looking down. Your vision's got to change, friends. You've got to be, don't be so concerned about what you don't, with what you don't have. Be concerned with what you do have. And you can only get that by looking at things which are above, not on things which are of this earth. Hallelujah. And then he goes on, and of course, we don't have the time to go through this today, but he says, look at things that which are above where Christ sits on the right hand of God. That's where your focus needs to be. And then he says in verse number 8, you need to put off certain things. You understand? You've got to get to a place where you finally put certain things off. Just, just shed them. Quit carrying them around. You can't put off something that isn't on you. So the... The implication is here, in order for you to put it off, it must be that it's on you. So he says, put off. And then he goes into verse number 10, and he says, put on. So you put off some things, and you put on some things. You put on the new man. And then in verse number 12 again, he says, put on again. And then in verse number 14, he says, put on. So the implication is here that you and I aren't doing something that we're supposed to be doing. We are carrying stuff that we should be putting off, and we're putting on things that aren't there yet that we should have be carrying. Do you understand this? It's got to start with putting your mind on things that are above, not on things of the earth. All right. 
I'm skipping, but I'm going to do it on purpose. Go to the book of 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter number 1. As is usual, I didn't bookmark it, so I'm going to depend on you. Second Ti Timothy chapter 1, verse number 2. To Tim Timothy, my dearly beloved, grace and peace be multiplied to you from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, wait a minute. Second Timothy. Second Timothy chapter 1, verse 2. Is that the one you gave me? Second Timothy 1 verse 2. I'll, I'll get there. You guys got it? It's there. Let's see who can get there first. Let's see if I'm faster than that computer. It's up there? Okay. Well, why isn't that the verse I want? Go to the next one. No, that's not the one I want. Okay, let's keep going so we don't waste time. Oh, okay, so I fought a good fight. I finished the course. I've kept the faith. So I already talked about that one. All right, let's keep moving. Go to Second Thessalonians chapter 2. Here is something that you got to follow. 2 Thessalonians chapter number 2, verse number 2. Don't be so, so soon shaken in your mind and troubled in your spirit. See this? Don't be so soon shaken in your mind. Say that three times fast. Or be troubled neither by spirit nor by word nor by letter from us. Now watch this. There's some, there's some keys here you have to watch. Where does the shaking starting? Where does the shakening of your faith start? In your mind. Now watch the sequence. This is a very important sequence. If you allow yourself to be shaken in your mind, you know what the result of that's going to be? You're going to be troubled. See, this is a lot of, a lot of people talk about stress. Where does stress? It, this verse calls it troubling because they, you know, they weren't as smart as we didn't. They didn't have the words that we have today. Now we're all stressed out. You see, back then they just said they were troubled. But it starts when your mind is shaken. Where's your mind supposed to be? On things which are above, where Christ sits at the right hand of God. But if you're shaken in your mind, you're going to find yourself troubled about all kinds of stuff. And then. What's going to happen is your spirit is going to get all muddied up. There's, there's, there's consequences to things. Don't be, you're going to be troubled. Don't, don't be troubled by, your, by, spirit, by spirits, by your spirit. You see, what happens is troubling gets down into your spirit. It goes from your mind into your spirit. And now once your spirit is, once you lose your spirit, See, if you if your spirit gets broken, that then you you have to keep your spirit. Because by 
don't be troubled in spirit, nor by word, nor by letter, even if it's from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. So it all starts when you let your mind get off of Christ, you're going to find consequences that go through your whole being. See that? And every little thing that comes your way is going to drag you down. This happens and that happens and this person's bothering you and that sickness is bothering you and this this disaster drives you bonkers and this uh, this bill in the mail, this letter in the mail or this word that you heard on TV and all this stuff starts to accumulate and pretty soon you find yourself being pulled and sucked down into this abyss. Why? Because your mind didn't your mind was shaken it starts with your mind you've got to keep your mind on him your mind is where your soul is hallelujah now then let's go to i'm just going to read down through these things uh All right, I've, I've disheveled myself because I wanted to hurry, <coughs> and that's okay. We're going to stop right there. Brothers and sisters, my whole purpose is this, that I want you to get back <coughs> to your garden way of thinking. Your garden way of thinking <coughs> is that you walk with God in the Ruach of the day. When you walk with God in the Ruach of the day, you won't be aware of what you lack. Doesn't mean you won't lack, <coughs> but it won't matter to you. Because when you realize that you lack, let's just use the first thing that happened to Adam and Eve. If you realize that you lack clothing, then you'll, ha you'll come to an understanding I didn't know I didn't have because I was clothed with his righteousness all along. I was clothed in light. But when I lost focus on what I had, I became aware of what I didn't have. And when you become more, when you're discovering that you're more aware of what you lack, it means that your, uh, your focus got off of where it was supposed to be. You see that? So you get your focus back on Christ who's seated on things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. So, look up. Don't look down. <coughs> Let me give you a little story and then I'll quit. And I, well, maybe I shouldn't give you that story because it'll sound too self-aggrandizing. But you need to get your, you need to lift up your eyes. You need to lift up your eyes. It's when you lift your eyes up, everything will change. Your demeanor will change. Your posture will change. Everything will change. But if you look down, you're going to look defeated. You're going to feel defeated. And people are going to perceive you as being defeated. But if you look up, if you keep your chin up, it's going to help you and nobody's going to suspect that you have a problem. All because you've looked keep your vision looking up now that's true in the natural but it's true in the spiritual too you need to keep looking up amen lord i thank you 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 for your holy spirit 
I thank you what you have provided for us. I thank you that we can take that verse that says, I know whom I have believed. And I am persuaded that you are able to keep that which I've committed unto you. Lord, you are able to keep my commitment. And I commit myself to you. I commit my mind to you. I commit all of me to you. In Jesus' name, because I know you'll see me through. Because I will trust you with all my heart. And I, I won't depend upon or lean or get drawn away by my, uh, my desire to understand everything. But I'm going to acknowledge you in everything, even though I don't have answers to it. And I know that you're going to direct my paths. Because that's what your word says. So I'm going to believe your word and not my, my circumstances. In Jesus' name. Jesus name now may the Lord bless you and may the Lord keep you <coughs> and may he make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you may he lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace surely goodness and mercy shall follow you all the days of your life and you shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever you shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water you shall bring forth fruit in your season. Your leaf will not wither, and whatsoever you do will prosper. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and who is able to present you faultless before the kingdom of his glory with exceeding joy to the only wise God, our Father, be glory and honor and dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. Amen, amen. 6.30 tonight. Come on back. We'll be here. We'll have service. In the meantime, God bless you. And have a good lunch and a good nap. <laughs> God bless you guys.